Hello there and welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm Sarah from Sarah Faruya Coaching and this is the Legends Podcast. I believe there are many, many ways to lead a life and everybody has stories and I want to tell them and share them. These legends are a collection of people who I have found during my 20 years in Tokyo and before. All of them are brilliant people. And when I became bored with reading another billionaire's biography, I thought I want to tell the stories of the people who I meet who are absolutely fascinating, but you won't see on your regular podcast interview. They have overcome obstacles, both systemic and internal, and we cover all kinds of things from creativity, grief, racism, business, disaster, loss, trolling, infertility, farming, eating disorder, eco-feminism, and more. We have elite athletes, people who live on Zen temples in remote parts of Japan, BBC newscaster to Taekwondo champion. Please enjoy these amazing stories from what they've overcome, from what they've built, from what they've created, from the way that they talk. I'm just delighted thinking about it. So please get stuck in and enjoy this next legend. Hello and welcome to the Legends interview series. I'm Sarah Faruya from Sarah Faruya Coaching and I believe there are many ways to lead a life and this is one of them. I believe that everybody has stories and I want to hear yours and tell theirs. I also want to help people to create a work style and a lifestyle that they can be proud of. Today, I welcome Tia Haygood from Top Tier Photography. Tia is a bilingual photographer living in Tokyo and she enjoys photographing the urban characteristics of Tokyo and travels all around Japan. She received her first camera aged 13 and also attended classes at the New York Institute of Photography. She's an active international community member and is currently a member of FEW for Empowering Women in Japan, the Australian and New Zealand Chamber of Commerce and Jarman International KK. So please give a warm welcome to lovely Tia. Hi Tia. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you today? I'm doing good, doing good. Yes, nice. very excited about today. Yes, <laughs> so nice to have you here. And I was really, I, I, you know, the reason I chose you was because I, I remember a couple of months ago, you, you posted a really, really um, honest and open uh, post on Facebook mm. about changing your life. And perhaps we'll talk about that later. And it just really sparked my interest because I'm super interested in people telling their authentic stories and mm -hmm. being really honest and real about things. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, okay, like when I was lining up, who do I want to be in here? Because it's not necessarily the most famous people or um, the, the, the brightest shining stars or <laughs> they're like, you know, the top photographers or anything like that. Who I want, I want to hear people's stories. And when I heard that story, I was like, I want to hear. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. Thank and that's you. not to say you're not a bright shining star by any stretch of the imagination, but just to give some background about how I select who I want, it's like it's something has to pique my interest. Very often it's people who have not only fascinating stories, but also who've just shown me a little bit of themselves. I'm just not interested in the veneer. Mm. And you are super polished as well. <laughs> Let's be very clear about oh, that. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm just interested in depth and honesty and, and, and where we 
where it where it all comes from and unraveling these stories and helping to make them useful for us as we go forward mm-hmm. and helping to make our stories and sharing our stories useful for the people who watch these videos as well Ooh, great, so great. tia yes. why don't you tell me a little bit about your background your childhood your family and let's take it from there oh wow that's gonna be a long one <laughs> um well i guess i'll start about my origins yeah. um, i'm from north carolina charlotte mm-hmm. it's a home city and uh, I have a younger sister, um, my, my parents, who are the most amazing inspirations to me. Uh, they inspire my work ethic. Um, they also inspire my tenacity. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I wouldn't be where I am right now without them. Oh, uh, I mean, they're really great examples. I know everyone says that about their parents, but no, I mean... <laughs> not everyone does say it, actually. Not everyone does. Oh, I, I'm really grateful to, to have the family that I have. Um, mm-hmm. My grandparents on both sides... Um, you know, they bring a lot to the table uh, from my childhood and even today, I still talk to, to all four of them <laughs> uh, on the phone or on Facebook or whatever means uh, that I can communicate them by. Um, but, but yeah, uh, a little bit about, I guess, my, myself growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we grew up, you know, in a nice little neighborhood uh, in West Charlotte. And um, my mom uh, was always of the mind of me being, or my sister and I being a part of a really, really great school. Um, the only problem was is we couldn't really afford to go to a private school. Yeah. So the next best thing, because she was a teacher in the school system anyway, is she kind of knew which schools were the best schools mm-hmm. based on uh, their school culture and their test scores. So we, uh, <laughs> she, she had a habit of sending us to schools that were very, very far away from the house. <laughs> and um, we, we l- would literally every day wake up at four in the morning, uh, get dressed, drive to the bus stop, uh-huh. and then ride the bus another hour to school. And uh, we did that for uh, a time. <laughs> but uh, as we kind of got older, my sister and I went to separate high schools and she focused more on the arts. And I focus more on uh, the IB program. Uh, IB. Getting, oh, IB, the International Baccalaureate okay. program, um, which uh, is uh, it's kind of like a world cur- curriculum. It's not mm-hmm. really based on a school state curriculum or city's curriculum or school's curriculum. Um, you can jump anywhere. And as I'm sure some of your friends who have IB uh, mm-hmm. as students and children themselves, uh, no matter where in the world you go, the curriculum is very close to what they learned in their previous school. Um, so I had a, a real, I didn't really have a lot of artistic studies growing up, shockingly. Um, my sister and I kind of switched. Yeah. Uh, so she went to the artsy school, but she's now doing a PhD program in American history. Oh, wow. Um, and I went to the logistics school uh, or in the, the logical thinking, critical thinking school. And now I'm doing photography. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, that's kind of how that kind of weird flip went. Mm. (laughs) So a really strong emphasis on education as you were growing up so your mom was a teacher so my mom is what did she teach she she teach she taught and still teaches uh dance dance she teaches dance and much to her disappointment i can't dance (laughs) (laughs) she tried she tried really hard (laughs) what kind of dance so she she does a variety of dance she does hip-hop african jazz uh those are her her top ones but she does a little bit of ballet um, and she does com- some contemporary dances where she kind of mixes them together and teaches uh, children from elementary school yep. to high school. Um, just different choreographies uh, inspired from previous dance instructors. 
um, and favorite uh, famous dancers. There's one that comes to mind, Alvin Ailey. Mm -hmm. um, I remember every time Alvin Ailey's uh, entourage or his uh, his his uh, ensemble would come to Charlotte, uh, she'd get tickets and she'd have us go and see, you know, whatever the production was at, at the time or, or that would show up. And, and so I, I grew up very familiar with Alvin Ailey. <laughs> Alvin Ailey. Yes, uh, uh -huh. Debbie Allen and her dance ensemble. So, I mean, she was really, really into dance and particularly African-American dancers as uh -huh. well. Um, and, Af and some African dancers. Um, so, yeah. so we were really surrounded by dance, um, but we just couldn't dance. <laughs> So, um, but, but yes, yeah, she does that now, um, in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Uh, she also does kind of, uh, different retreats, um, for kind of mother daughter, uh, workshops in South Carolina as well. Um, wow. She, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's rad. So my mom does a lot. My mom's also, uh, uh, she's a military veteran and, um, she kind of has the, this kind of connection between uh, veterans who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, people who are looking for just some kind of aid. Um, and she kind of looks, looks at it through a communal lens. Mm -hmm. So she does workshops. She does, she has a, an organization called My Sister's House, where she really tries to help people struggling um, post-war um, with trying to find community, trying to find purpose, and just trying to make connections. So, so that is my mom. <laughs> oh wow! She, I mean, she does a million things that are that are just amazing, and and she's she's only she's only okay. Let me get this right. She's only fifty four. Okay, so, so she's about my age. Actually. Yeah, and wow. and she just does all these amazing things. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> education and being involved in the community was a really really big thing for her, and it's she fought incredible. really hard to make sure that we stayed in the schools that we that we were attending when we were young. I've literally got goosebumps all over my body now listening to you talking about your mum there. Like, my, even my knees were flushing with goosebumps. <laughs> FBGs. <laughs> so, um, that's gorgeous. Well, how do you think she influenced then you then, um, uh, Tia? Because, oh, I mean, I know a, a lot. I mean, all that stuff, like, about mothers and daughters and working with veterans and using, I suppose, your body and dance uh, mm. to express things and and this focus on education, what a woman, and I know now that you are so, so focused on community here as well, like you are always very involved and always giving back. I just wonder like, how would you honor her, her influence on you? I mean, my mom, she's a really big influence and I don't tell her this enough. Um, oh. Like she, she's a hustler. Like she will hustle her ass off. Yeah. And uh, I should really tell her this, but I remember just being a kid watching her jump hoops for, for, for this opportunity and that opportunity, uh, the opportunity for us to stay in school. Uh, she actually had to take out a loan to put a down payment on a house in our school district so that we could continue to go to the school that we were attending mm -hmm. at the time because of laws that were unfair to certain folks of people. So she, she really has a, a strong sense of dedication um, that I hope I mimicked enough for my own business. And just going, you know, just grinding, you know, day in and day out because you, you, she, she saw that future for us. Yeah. And, and she really, really worked hard to make sure that we saw it through and that we could, you know, live successful lives. And, and I hope that, that I kind of regurgitate or even copy some of that in my own work because I do see a future with my business and I'm hustling and being as dedicated as I can to my own business and to my clients. 
um, so that that we can, you know, in turn live those similar futures as well. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I can I can see it now. I'm making the connections of kind of knowing you and how how much you give to the community as well and how present you are in the community and so on. It, I can see those connections coming through now and just your kind of general presence. I can see it's really <laughs> grounded in there. Uh, Amazing. How about your dad? Your dad's quite a character as well. My dad he? is a hilarious character. And to this day, I'm still trying to figure out how my, my funny father and my, you know, like boots in the ground mom got together and fell in love and had me. <laughs> <laughs> like, how would you describe yourself? Like, I, I mean, I think I'm kind of a mix of both of them. Like, yeah. I love to be goofy and funny, yeah. like my father. But at the same time, when it's time to work, it's time to work. And that's not to say that my father doesn't have great work ethics. Yeah. Um, he was the kind of person, like my mom was kind of the long-term goal kind of person. She was the one that said, okay, you need to be, your mindset needs to be this. And my uh -huh. father was kind of the practical one, like, okay, if you're going to be on this path, do this thing this way, do this thing that way. So they kind of, they do kind of, when, in terms of work ethic, they do kind of go hand in hand. Um, my mom being kind of a, a mindset and a long-term kind of goal and my father being kind of a short-term and kind of a practical uh, sense of, of, of working. Um, so my father, he was the one that was just like, you know, if you're going to go to a job, make sure you be on time, make sure you be presentable, make sure you, 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 you do and say things this way. So, I mean, he also had the, you know, play as play and work as work kind of mindset, but I think his play was a little bit bigger than my mom's. <laughs> Uh -huh. <laughs> um, I mean, he's, 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 he's such a character. He, he always wants to make us laugh. And um, even when I'm having a really bad day, he'll, he'll say something off color. Um, uh, very off color guy. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, cheeky. and very, very cheeky. He is the. He's, so he's a DJ. He's a DJ, yeah. Uh -huh. um, so he's a radio announcer and okay. DJ on a, a, at a local radio station. That's been his career for over 30 years now. Um, I mean, he's been in radio since, I think, since he was a teenager. Um, and uh, he's just carried that career on uh, up until today. Mm -hmm. And uh, and like I said, you know, just, just a sense of being, you know, presentable, a sense of, of articulating. And, and that was a real thing in, in the house is that we had to speak. We couldn't really speak too casual. Mm -hmm. um, and and my, my mother is from Brooklyn. Okay. So she had that, that New York accent. And my father, even though he's from the South, he's, he's a radio announcer, so you can't really speak you know, too casual on the air. So anytime we would make a, a mistake or if we come home from school and we, you know, we'd say like, oh, you should have done this. And he would say, you should have done this. <laughs> like he would always correct us. So I, a lot of people, they're shocked when they, when they hear that I'm from North Carolina, they say, but I don't hear the Southern yeah, accent. Yeah, no, I don't hear the Southern accent and, and either. Because we were constantly being corrected all the time Just and some... listening to New York accents and, and my dad's presentation, you know, his radio voice, uh, you know, some of the times or most of the times. So so, so we didn't speak a lot of Southern accents in, in the house. <laughs> Did you ever get sent to elocution lessons or anything like that? Oh. Because I used to get threatened with elocution lessons and I, I can remember trying to plan to break out the car and escape because oh I just couldn't God. bear the idea. I'm going to out, this might be a, a, a not an American thing. What is that? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> elocution lessons is when you go to like, it's like dance class for your voice. Okay. So you let, you know, how now brown cow and... The rain oh, wow. in Spain falls mainly in the plains. See, we get that in drama classes, and okay. I actually did take drama classes. <laughs> well, I think you'd get it in drama classes too, but elocution lessons was always the threat for me because, mm -hmm. you know, at home they wanted me to speak nicely. Mm. But at school, everybody had a Merseyside accent. So I'm, I was like, hedging my bets, right? Who do I want to please more? The 30 kids in my class or those 
I'll go for the 30 kids <laughs> in my class. Uh-huh. So I ended up with quite a regional accent. Mm. But oh, my mum hated it. She would be like, I'm going to send you to elocution lessons. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> don't make me go to elocution lessons. I never, yeah, it sounded like electrocution. I'm like, no, oh no, wow, okay. Lord. I don't want to be electrocuted. How now, brown cow? Let's see. The thing with, because you, you, you talk about who do you want to please, you actually did that, you know, growing up. We called it code switching. Uh-huh. As, oh, well, okay. Uh, oh, is that? Yeah, 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 no, no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm really interested in this, actually, because I didn't know what this was. Uh-huh. I had it in the back of my mind, and then I researched it because I've been doing, as you know, I've been trying to educate myself a little bit about this kind of stuff. Yeah, so yeah. let's let's go there. Tell me about code switching. Okay, so code switching. So what I told you earlier that yeah. my mom wanted me to go to a private school, but we couldn't really get to that point. So yeah. the next best thing were pretty much predominantly white schools. Right. And so when you go to a predominantly white school, you you don't really hear what you often hear in the neighborhood. You know our mostly black neighborhood, you know, we're yeah. speaking pretty casual and, you know, in our own kind of, our, our own kind of accent, if you will. Yeah. Um, but when you go to a predominantly white school with that sort of speak, you know, you get corrected or you get kind of made fun of. And I remember like, I remember some occasions where it slipped out, you know, a bit and people would, you know, say like, it's this, you yeah. know, or like, you know, be mean about it. Um, but uh, yeah, you kind of had to, to learn how to to speak like like a white person yeah <laughs> yeah um but when you came you know in the presence of other black people and and speak like a white person they would say well why are you speaking white you know so then that was kind of the thing where it's like okay 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 white over here black over here <laughs> so you got really good at kind of yeah well, it's called code switching code switching, code yeah. switching. Um, my understanding is that you're more likely to get things on the phone oh, and yeah. things like that or be taken seriously or get oh, yeah. an appointment and so mm-hmm. on. Is that true? It's very true. Yeah. It's very true. Um, I remember a friend of mine, we were trying to get her away from a, a domestic situation, a domestically mm-hmm. violent situation. Mm-hmm. And the guy, uh, we, we got her away, but then the guy came to my house and I had to call the cops. So I'm, I put my most Becky voice on at that point. <laughs> Becky, I, okay, I know what that means. I know what Becky means. <laughs> to be fair, Beck, that term Becky didn't come up until like years after that situation. Yeah, happened. sure, sure, but, sure. But um, but no, I was just like, excuse me, yes, um, there is a man outside of my door, and um, I need some assistance, please. So <laughs> and they were there like that, and they were there in ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so yeah, then you know, there's certain things where I remember my when I when that situation happened to me, I remember situations with my father had called 911 and I'm sure you, we, we, we could get a pizza delivery faster than when the cops would come to our neighborhood because mm-hmm. they see they see the address so it's like okay that's on the west side of town we'll right. go a bit slow mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah, there are some advantages of, of sounding articulate and um, for sure and I, I just remember like one of the one of the pet peeves growing up was just like this shock of how articulate I sound and or sounded and so um, it was one of those things where you kind of you learn how to, to, I guess, play the game. Yeah. Um, but don't cash in on the points so soon. <laughs> what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Don't cash in on the points too soon. Well, you, you, you do kind of. Well, I guess what I mean is, is when you go to, a, I guess, a, a certain space where you want to kind of be of the same level of everyone else. Yeah. You do kind of have to articulate in a certain way. Um, but at the same time, people are really shocked. They're like, oh, wow, you speak so Gosh. articulate. Yeah. 
And then, f- for you, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, oh. it, and I got that. Oh, it was worse when I was trying to go to law school. Um, Cause I remember I was taking practice law tests or law school exams and I kept getting like one, 155, 157, 158. And uh, it's not particularly a good score. Okay. And then one time I, I got, you know, a 160. And I remember telling somebody who uh, I was telling them, um, actually I told a lot of people and I got the same thing. I said, yeah, it's a low score. And they were like, oh, but you're black. They'll definitely let you in. And I, I know, I guess from their point of view, it sounded pretty good. But from my point of view, it was just kind of like, wow, you know, that's some, that's some low balling right there. <laughs> um, but ultimately, I never did get to go to law school. And uh, you can never say never, but, but I, my intentions after college was to go to law school. Mm-hmm. And then when I came here and saw all of my, my law, friend, law school friends um, jump ship at various stages of schooling or post-schooling, I said, you know, I probably made a good choice. <laughs> Uh, but, but yeah, yeah, I, 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 I digress. Um, it's not at all. <laughs> it's a, uh, it was, it was an interesting experience and I haven't been in America for eight years, so I don't know if it's the same. I don't know if, if things are different, but I like to think that they are very different and people think twice. <laughs> my understanding is that it's not, but that's not yeah. my, what can I say? I only know what I read and what I yeah. And but you know what? I, it's one thing because I remember I remember Trevon Martin had happened and everyone was just going like crazy, crazy, crazy. And I was flying home to see my folks and I was just kind of like, OK, well, what kind of South am I going to greet when I get home? <laughs> and and you know, it was fine the same. Yeah, it was, it was just it was, there, nothing had, had gone crazy. People weren't throwing and rioting and things. And I was uh, in the South. We love to talk. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you haven't noticed, um, <laughs> and we love to talk to strangers, so I was in the I was in the grocery line, and I was getting something, and and I was just like, "Hey, ma'am, how you doing?" And it was this nice old white lady, and 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 she pleasantly responded back as as I remember random folks doing to each other growing yeah. up, and and it just seemed like a sense of you know what we're okay. It's it's the media reports what it needs to report, but you know, in this small, tiny part of Charlotte, North Carolina, I think we're okay. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> oh. Well, that's a, a nice, um, I mean, I could talk all day about this, but it's not mm, why I'm here to enough, educate the masses on code switching and, <laughs> you know, the, uh, uh, these experiences. So yes, your education. So you were just saying that you wanted to study law. So what was your educational background mm-hmm. and then how did you come to japan what what brought you to japan uh oh. so well let's start <laughs> off with what you did as your education and sure. then you graduated and then you came to japan pretty soon afterwards i understand yeah yeah, yeah. So i think you told me quite a few things here so mm-hmm. let's uh <laughs> let's let's hear it so um so i was in the ib program uh growing up in charlotte basically my intention was to go to a really good school that had a kind of that that led into a a law school or a legal career, and so my choice was um, I went to University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a really good law program, and uh, they don't have a pre-law program, which was fine. I just took like uh, political science. Political and, science. Uh, but I also double majored because in high school I studied abroad in Japan at seventeen, and I wait studied- you you came to Japan first when you were seventeen. Yeah. 
Oh my goodness, when mm -hmm. did you stay here? Uh, I came to Tokyo 2000, was it 2005? Yeah, 2005. 2005, okay, so we may have walked past each other. <laughs> and um, did you do a homestay? I did do a homestay. And did you go to a school? I did go to a school. I went to Aoyama Gakuin High School. Wow. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah? <laughs> um, well, because it's a Christian school. And okay. uh, I grew up uh, I grew up in AME Zion, uh, African Methodist Episcopal Zion. Say that once more. Oh, I, so AME Zion is a, it's basically a black church. <laughs> okay. It's a black Methodist church. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, I grew up in a, pretty much an African Methodist Episcopal Zion church. I, I, I will never remember that. I'll have to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, but but basically, um, you know, it's 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 not it's similar to a Baptist church, similar. Okay. Um, but not as not as conservative and not as strict. Okay. Um, but when I went there, uh, of course, they had service. Uh, and when I went to Ayami, uh, Aoyama Gakuin High School, they had service, and it was so funny because they had the same songs that we sing in church in black church in Japanese. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. And I remember coming home with the paper and I was like, look, Grandma, look, Grandma, look, 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 I'm going to sing this song. Guess the song, guess the song. And I'd sing it in Japanese and she'd be like, wait a minute, is that, is that, is that such and such? And I'd be like, yeah, they do it in Japan. <laughs> so, so it was a really fun experience yeah. um, uh, going to Aoyama Gakuin High School. Yeah. Do you mind my asking, do you still go to church now? You know, what? I don't so much mm -hmm. these days. And half of that is because I've been lazy about finding a church usually mm -hmm. what happens when you go to a new uh, area is you kind of visit you several churches yeah. and you see which one you want to join yeah and I haven't done that yet mm -hmm. um, I've heard of some really really good churches mm -hmm. uh, that some other that other people go to but I just haven't haven't done the the shopping yet so it's not probably not the word I want to use but I haven't gone to visit church other churches. Shopping? church shopping I like it <laughs> no I understand, I understand. yes yeah. okay um, how do you think that growing up in that in the church influenced you? You know what's so fantastic? I really am grateful that I grew up Amizan because the way that it works is, is you have your pastor or you have the reverend and he basically has a theme for the week mm -hmm. and the theme for the week, and this is black church so you know we're singing. <laughs> so, so the, so, you know, we're, we, we engage in what the, the pastor, the reverend, um, themes for the week and so what he does is he takes a kind of point that or a, a situation that you might encounter in life mm -hmm. and he selects a passage in the bible but what he does is he interprets that passage in a way that's modern in a way that's practical mm -hmm. um so that you can use that remember that for the week and 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 live your life in a better way um i that's how i grew up uh with church um it was always kind of open there wasn't this this, you know, you're a sinner, you know, okay. there was no like, I mean, you knew you were a sinner, but it was, it was kind of like, let me learn the Bible. Let me uh, apply some of these teachings to my life so I can be less of a sinner. Uh, and that was kind of the, the feeling I got growing up from uh -huh. church. But I, as I got older and went to college and interacted with other people from different denominations, I realized church sounds very scary. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't scary for you. No. It was empowering. I mean, it's, it's a community. And, and black church is really special because it's a community kind of uh, feeling to it. You yeah. know, you, you come for help. You come for not only worship, but you come to see how I people see. are doing, catch up with people. Uh, my grandmother used the kitchen as a soup kitchen to feed the homeless. So, I mean, it was really, it was, it was, religion was there, but community was also there. And the community was very, very strong 
um, in the church. So love this because like what you know what I'm trying to do is just weave the tapestry together of tear and it's starting to come together <laughs> for me. I'm starting to really understand it. I'm a very communal person. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I went to church when I was young as well. I was raised as a Roman Catholic and our church was pretty cool as well. It wasn't like a your sinner mm. kind of church. Well, again, that's obviously at the bottom of all of it. But right. like I really missed that community. I miss being with babies and old mm. people and just like that whole variety and just being loved and lifted by people yeah yeah, yeah. sadly i wrote a, an essay at school called um, women in christianity the mm-hmm. female christian mm. during the writing of that and the research i was like hang on a second this strikes me as nonsense <laughs> sorry christians <laughs> and then something snapped in my brain and and like it's never re it's never reformed itself to be like okay i'm ready to go back now it was just like it was like bing that's we're done mm, yeah <laughs> so that was that was interesting anyway so um but i'm always interested to understand what how that a good church mm. a good loving supportive communal church that interprets the words of the bible can mm. really create something beautiful for people i believe i think so it was always encouraging to, yeah to, encouraging to, to learn from the bible versus i need to know you know what is what is a good thing and a bad thing and yeah, steer for the who good do thing. i judge you know <laughs> yeah. Who, yeah there was no yeah. judgment yeah. you know there was no nobody was judging others for yeah. for you know it was you know the lord loves you the lord forgives you yeah you know it was very very loving Oh. And and none of this kind of condemnation. Not to not to you know speak illy of any other denominations, but you can it, if it, you want to. <laughs> <laughs> but just growing up, church was a, had a different feel for me. Yeah. And and now when I got older and I started hearing this, I think it was around the time like gay marriage became a real you know point of focus. Um, I was about college, and for me it was just kind of like, well, you know, love is love. I mean, you got love. What is this judgment thing? Where does this judgment come from? Yeah. And and people were quoting the Bible and quoting, you know, a specific passage. And I was just like, well, yeah, it says that. But if you're going to be counting passages here and, and, and scriptures here, uh, look at this other scripture that you're violating. <laughs> and, and also, let's go back through the iterations, back to the original ancient Greek. Mm. And then let's take it from there, shall exactly. we? Exactly. I mean, there, there's so yeah. many different ways. But, but, you know, in terms of debate. Yeah. Uh, I've I've had to tweak my style of debating, um, you know, over the years because in everyone's mind, everyone's right. You know, I'm right, you're right. You know, uh, despite the fact that we're coming from you know completely different directions, I'm never going to win somebody over with, based on my argument because 110 percent that other person's going to come at me with their you know arguments and their facts and their yeah. data. And so it's it's I've I've tweaked my my way of of, of debating others, and we are so off topic. <laughs> No, we're not. We're on topic. It's all topic. This is a conversation that's unfolding before us. Yeah, I mean, my tack right now is, is um, I'm sorry, I have literally no interest in what you're saying. Like, See, I like it. Unless it's, unless it's something that I was, uh, unless it's something like, oh, I'd never thought of that before. But if it's mm. cliche or something like that and somebody's mm. giving, like, no, I'm sorry, there's, I don't, just based on that sentence, I'm pretty sure... There's nothing, just let me think, I'm pretty sure that nothing you say to me now, from now on, is going to be something I've either heard before, not heard before, or have the remotest piece of interest in. Mm. Okay? I like that. <laughs> and then I people like keep coming. They'll keep but, coming, but, and I'll but, be like, but, but, no, but. I'm, no, it's fine, I'm, I'm good. 
I'm good. I'm good for this conversation. Let's just move on. Like well, we can great. still sit together, but yeah. like I'm I'm lacking the interest now. Let's move on. And the best people, my best friends, we we will stop as soon as we realise we've reached an impasse. Mm-hmm. It'll be like okay, and now we're done, and now we move on, and then we're taking <laughs> selfies in the toilets together. Do you know what I mean? Why in the toilet? <laughs> well, that, that, just, it's a specific. Is incident. this a new form of pedicure? <laughs> <laughs> toilet selfies. <laughs> But I think I think so. We were stopping off at Aoyama, yes, and then I studied abroad again in college, yeah. But um, but the Aoyama one really, really was kind of like the the launch pad for me, really being interested in Japan. So I wanted to kind of meld the two together. I said, okay, I'm going to do international law. You know, I'm going to I'm going to do my law degree, and then I'm going to I'm going to learn Japanese, and then I'll just be in Japan. And and so so me living in Japan or having a relationship with Japan was had, had, had kind of made its its presence uh, when I was 17. Mm-hmm. I came to Tokyo and uh, I I just ex- explored Tokyo um, for the first time. So I said, okay, I've got to come back. I've got to come back. This is going to be my home. I don't know how or when, but it's going to be my home. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I studied abroad again in, in college. I studied at Kanda University um, in uh, Makuhari, Chiba. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was really, really tough because it was a kanji boot camp. <laughs> 80 kanji, kanji a day. <laughs> kanji is kanji Chinese is the, characters. Yes, the yep. Chinese characters uh, that Japan also uses. Um, so we have three scripts yes. plus kanji. Plus, wait, two scripts. Oh, Romaji. Okay, yes. Oh, so kata- yeah, you recover. We can Romaji. Katakana. Yeah. Katakana. Hiragana. Hiragana. And then kanji. And kanji, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, technically four. Well, because <laughs> it gets used quite a lot. Okay, so no, three for Japan then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, so that, that, that boot camp was, was crazy. But I, again, I loved it. Did you? Yeah, I did. I love oh. kanji. I think I'm very rare. I took the kanken. And uh, it was me and like these little third graders and then later fourth graders. And I'm crazy about kanji. I, I like reading. That's yeah. That's the point. And so me to be able to read Japanese pop culture or just, you know, a nice little simple book. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of my motivation. Uh, so, so that, that, that I, I study kanji. <laughs> I still study kanji. <laughs> so, so you are fully bilingual basically then? Um, I'd say I'm between N3 and N2. Oh, okay. Um, so that's 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 one being the top, one being, one being kind the of top. like fluency, mm-hmm. and then three and two being well, one being academic, I mm-hmm. suppose, and then three and two, it's kind of uh, conversational yeah. and uh, close to close to business. Yeah. Um. So so that's kind of where where I am. I have no plans of taking the uh, the JLPT uh, N two uh, as of now. I might do that next year or whatnot. But that's um, the Japan. The Japanese language, language proficiency, proficiency test. test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm doing so much with photography now. Yeah. Uh, that it's just kind of peripherally out flying somewhere behind my head. <laughs> but uh, eventually I will, I will have to come back and, and revisit it. Uh, especially when I have newer and more, more Japanese speaking clientele. Great. Hmm. What, what sparked your interest in Japan? Uh, Japanese history. <laughs> <laughs> so I was reading a couple of books. Um, well, one was a book and one was a manga. Uh, Rurouni Kinshin was the manga. And uh, the book was uh, Memoirs of a Geisha. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of painted Japan in this kind of, t- uh, this historical, you know, beautiful place with rich culture and, and, and ceremonies and things that you had to do that had certain steps. And, you know, okay, you're this age, so now you have to do this. Okay, you've done that and you're this age, so now you have to do this. 
and uh, you know just just this 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 organization of culture which is very different from, from African-American culture and American culture, because we're just kind of like bada bada, we're all over the place with our culture. There's no, okay. there's no specific thing, you know, or timeline in terms of culture. I mean, you have, you have graduation and, and prom, or prom and graduation and marriage and things like that, but, but in between those milestones yeah. uh, are specific things that Japanese people do. Yep. And that, that fascinated me. So um, I came to Japan, just based on those two books. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, you know, every, everybody gets their spark from somewhere, you know? Everybody gets their spark from somewhere. I saw Sydney mm-hmm. in Australia based on The Matrix entirely because I just started... <laughs> the highway scene. All, well, anything, like, my, my husband loved The Matrix so much uh-huh. that when we went to Sydney together when we were dating years ago, mm. he was like, right, we're going to do a tour of all the places in... Sydney that are in the Matrix. They have and a I Matrix just, tour in Sydney. No, he took me oh, there. He, did. he okay. identified where everything was, and he's like, "And this is the manhole, and this is the staircase." And <laughs> I, I think it's fun. I think it's great to have a focus of some description. You know, mm. we've done it in London as well, based on what's that Tom Cruise film called? M- Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible. Yeah. Mm. So he was like, "I want to do the Mission Impossible tour." So we wow. hired bicycles and just went to the pubs and at pies. Oh and my gosh! All this. You should do the TMZ tour in Los Angeles. What? It's just TMZ is a is a gossip. Uh, site. It's a kind of gossipy yeah. tabloid kind of site, yeah. and and they basically go to all the places that celebrities have made either made their mark or done something stupid or just, like oh. this is the place where Michael Jackson passed out or you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it's a trashy. It's a trashy source, so, so you're gonna get idea. the trashy places. But okay, so here's so when I went to Los Angeles earlier in the year, I I I don't really, you know, I don't I didn't really have any image. I went for a, for a conference as it happens and to mm. stay with friends. But um, I was just like, right, where's the one place I want to go? It's the World of Wonder, the people who produce Drag Race, mm-hmm. RuPaul's Drag Race. So I just got an Uber to the World of Wonder, <laughs> took a few selfies outside. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm here. Yeah. And then, like. Walked around the Hollywood, what do you call it, with all the oh, stars the, the on hall the, of, uh, the, wa- the, walk the, of the walk of fame. And then went back to World of Wonder and just gave it one last reverence. See, I've never of... been to Los Angeles. I have no connection to Los Angeles. No, I mean, well, but I'm not, I'm not real. I'm not a tourist person, so I no. wouldn't hit up the touristy place. So I'm, I'm not sure how I would indulge in... in, in... Yeah, it's an interesting thing. So you'd <laughs> have to find... that. The point is you need to find some point of connection for yeah. yourself to be there. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know... Anyway, and that was way. Anyway, I'll go. Anyway, <laughs> so let's move on. So you moved to Japan in when? So Sometime. I officially moved after I graduated. So eight months after I graduated, um, I moved in, I think it's September 21st, mm-hmm. 2011. And the only reason why I know that date is for two things. Tom Cruise came the same day I did because everybody made a fuss at the airport about it. And a typhoon also came that same day. So. Okay, <laughs> baptism so of fire. A, so it was a it was a it was a monumental day. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, it'll be my eighth year in Japan. Eighth anniversary in Japan. Yeah. Let's get into your Japan journey. So you arrived with Tom Cruise. Yes. <laughs> and um, so tell me what happens next. Uh, so I wanted to kind of take a gap year. So I was still thinking about joining or going to law school. And mm-hmm. so I said, okay, I don't want to go to law school yet. I want to have a gap year, just kind of hang out and, you know, use my, my Japanese skills a bit and kind of solidify those. So I came to Japan as an English teacher and I moved to, I purposefully decided not to come to Tokyo. I did mm-hmm. not want to come to Tokyo because I knew I would speak English yeah. in Tokyo. 
So I went to a place in Tochigi called Oyama. And uh, Oyama was a lot of fun. Uh, it had a big Brazilian population in it. <laughs> so there's a mix of Portuguese, Japanese, and English. And uh, I, I taught at uh, an Eikaiwa there for a while. And, uh, and I enjoyed it. It was really nice. It was a kind of good way to just kind of get my feet wet um, in Japanese uh, life. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much Japanese culture. Because, you know, in Eikaiwas, you're, you're really locked in that world. Yes. And, uh, Eikaiwa meaning? Eikaiwa is uh, English conversation school. An English conversation school. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's basically what you do. You have an English conversation with your students, uh, young and old. And your job is to basically be not Japanese. And your and job is to be not Japanese. Yes, you and cannot to, use any Japanese yes, whatsoever. Yes, and to be a really full version of American, right? Yeah, yeah. pretty much. So I was selling American, American culture and American mm-hmm. language. Um, and, and it was kind of a disappointment because, not, not because of anything at the school, but, but just it wasn't what my goal was. Yeah. So I only stayed there for about a year and, and, and a couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided to go to a Japanese private school. So I taught at uh, Kamakura Joshi Daigaku, and um, they, that was a really fantastic experience. So one of the things that I kept hearing from my students back in, in Tochigi was like, oh yeah, you're gonna do undokai, which is sports day, or yeah, we're gonna do this, this, you know, this, this, this uh, ongakukai, you know, music day. And I was just hearing these these cool events that my Japanese students were talking about, and I was just like, yeah, I want to be, I wanna be a part of these events. So yeah. I, I joined a private school, uh, a place that had you know similar events, and uh, I loved it. It was a really really fantastic experience. I was the only foreigner there. Um, but there was one person, they were in the other building, but uh, in, in that, my workspace, immediate workspace, it was just me. So my motivation to use my Japanese and, and hone my Japanese skills was, was, was very present. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that really allowed me to grow uh, linguistically uh, during those three years mm-hmm. uh, a lot. So I, I really, really loved that experience and I loved the people there. So it was really, really good. Mm-hmm. And of course, that means I had to move from, from Tochigi to, to kan, uh, uh, Kanagawa yeah. uh, to go to Kamakura. Um, so, so that was a really, really big move, um, big stretch for me, but, but I, I was into it. So it was great. Yeah. So, um, so then you were in Kamakura mm-hmm. yeah. and you were teaching down there. And what do you think, what did you take away from that experience? What was it like? So you made that shift from being a conversation school person to mm-hmm. being a teacher in a high school. And then you become, you become more of a fabric of the community then, yeah. don't you? Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about what you took away from that experience? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of the things that I think it's a, it's a common gripe. I think a lot of internationals who live in Japan feel, especially somebody who is a community person, like it, it just I felt like a commodity for the community when you're a, an Eikaiwa teacher. Mm-hmm. But when you're an English teacher, you're kind of working your way into that community. Uh-huh. Um, and so you kind of want to be a part of the fold. Yeah. And that was one of the reasons why I was so motivated to kind of go to a, an actual school was because I wanted to experience what they experienced. And so, you know, one of the things you have to do is learn the language and, and learn the customs and learn the, I don't want to say rules, but, but, but the norms. Rules. And, <laughs> and some rules. It's yeah. some rules. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and be a part of the community. Um, I'm not trying to say that I was, you know, I, that I was this Japanophile and I wanted to be Japanese, but, you know, like I said, you know, the communal, the community in me really wanted to, you know, contribute and, and be a part of, of something very beautiful. And I think being able to, succeed in that and and being able to learn from that uh just really 
one helped me kind of fulfill that kind of need yeah um and 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 learn more about japan which is also what i wanted you know in the beginning so you went from feeling like a commodity to feeling like part of japan yeah and contributing in that way mm-hmm. great and then when did you start to transition into starting your photography business then? Ooh, now that came out of left field. <laughs> <laughs> um, so basically, I started to... One of the, the downfalls about being an English teacher is, is that it's not a very linear career. No. Um, it doesn't go up, it doesn't go left, it doesn't go right, it's just there. Yeah. And I was starting to kind of feel the, the, the kind of strain of being so limited in one position. Yeah. Um, I mean, I knew I never really wanted to be an English teacher Yeah, it was forever. never your career it was, path. It was never my career yeah. path. And so I began to well, like kind a sabbatical. Yeah, it was like a, yeah. and at that point, a four-year sabbatical. A four-year sabbatical. A four-year oh, sabbatical. Hello. <laughs> Except that's exactly what I did as well. And that, but that's a good way to look at it, Yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so after I, I started kind of getting out of that sabbatical feeling, um, I said, okay, you know, look, we need to decide, am I going to go back to law school? Or, you know, at, at the time I was still kind of, I was taking photos um, as a hobby. Okay. So I was traveling. So you had a proper camera. I had a proper camera. I bought myself a, a DSLR, um, entry level camera. And, um, I basically just kind of went around shooting. So before in high school, I was shooting with a film SLR. Mm. Um, so it was kind of like my first DSLR camera to mm-hmm. really like play with. So I spent four years playing with this camera and, um, and then it was just kind of like, okay, all right, well, it, do we want to go back into, do we want to go back into this hobby? Um, and if so, maybe we should go to school for it. Um, and I was starting to kind of plan my exit out of Japan. Okay. Um, in terms of exiting Japan to go to law school or exiting Japan to go to photography school. And um, I was having this kind of thinking or train of thought in the third year I was teaching at, um, at in Kamakura. And around that time, I was meeting people to see, you know, well, let's, let's get used to this idea of me being a photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would go and I would meet people, meet other artists and see what they were doing and kind of trade ideas or bounce ideas off of them. And um, I met this one guy. Um, <laughs> he was a really interesting guy. So he's a, he's a videographer and producer. He's in Thailand right now. Okay. Um, but he said, yeah, I know a guy who knows a guy um, that might need some photo work. And I had told him that I had shot food. Because at the time, that's what I was shooting. It was going places and shooting like meibutsu or the, the local food of the place I was at. Okay. Um, and I showed him some photos of, you know, me going to this place and me going to that place. And, and so it's like, yeah, yeah, I got a few people. So um, the first place that I photographed or he connected me to was a, a burrito fusion place in uh, Yotsuya. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're no longer there now. But um, the, that just that experience of being able to, to just shoot these weird or, or I wouldn't say weird but these uniquely kind of crafted burritos it was a burrito but it would be like a Thai Vietnamese burrito mm. or it would be a Mexican Italian burrito <laughs> mm. <laughs> the chef was really creative it was yeah. really great and they were really delicious yeah so it's a shame that they're no longer there anymore uh-huh. but um but yeah so I was just photographing these burritos and then um you know he looked at my work and he's like okay okay I got another guy and the other guy was uh was John from what the Dickens <laughs> John Coyle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Salute. And it's so funny because I was definitely, I think, I think Japan, uh, or the international community in Japan is a very generational, has a, has a generation gap. You're right. Because, you know, I, I'd spent all this time in Tokyo going to Shibuya and, and, and all these different places with my friends, and I had never heard of What the Dickens. Yeah. Now, 
knowing like expanding my network now it's just kind of like how did you not know about what the dickens <laughs> you're not in your late 40s <laughs> so it's it's so it's so connected to everybody who lives in or every yeah. international expat who lives in japan um but uh so i go there and i'm photographing their famous fish and chips and their meat pies mm. and this guy shows up and uh, he's like, wow, this is really neat. This is really cool. Um, how about photographing my 50th birthday party? And I was just like, oh, snap, we're getting gigs now. <laughs> so, oh, so, I appear to be a photographer. I appear to be a photographer. <laughs> so so I, I go. But you, you said yes, mm-hmm, right? Yeah, I did say yes. Yeah, okay, so mm-hmm. here's the point, right? So I've, mm-hmm. just, I've just made a note, like connections, like these connections can show off. Yeah. And this is like across the board, like, and especially, you know, in my coaching business, always trying to help people identify when that kind of thing is happening. Yeah. And then you have to say yes. You have to say yes. So or, otherwise no. you could be like, <laughs> oh no, and be all modest about it, or I'm not ready, and oh, I don't feel confident enough, and all, mm. all the other things that people do, because mm. they're so sweet and so tender, and they're so concerned yeah, about do doing things. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't, do, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Don't do that. So you said, yes, I, I said will yes photograph your 50th birthday. Great. Yes, I did. And uh-huh. I, you know, I, I prepared for it. So I had a month of, of time between then. So of uh-huh. course, you know, you practice, you prepare, you, you learn the things. How did you, you practice? Um, well, one of the things that I did at the time I was doing a mentorship program. Uh-huh. Um, so there was a guy, he was, uh, oh, Mateo, he was so fantastic. So he was a war veteran slash photojournalist. And he would come in and out of Kamakura uh, ever so often. And he was strict. He was really, really strict. Military guy. Um, and so I was learning from him uh, at the time. And uh, so I was asking him questions like, hey, what do I do in this situation? What do I do in that situation? And he was helping me there. Uh, you, at the time, YouTube University was, uh-huh. was helping me. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. so I was really, really trying to, and then just going out to, to, to do concert photography. Uh, if somebody was playing, I would go and photograph them and kind of like learn like how to shoot in low lighting, uh, how to do situations or how to shoot in, in, in tight spaces. Um, so those kinds of things, because it was going to be in a tight space and it was going to be in a place with low light. And you got Matteo to help you with that. And I got Matteo to help I'm, me with that. I'm seeing this picture of a really kind of diligent person um, come together here. And I almost almost want to say, even though I know that you love to be goofy, that quite serious <laughs> as well. Do you think you were you quite serious when uh, you were younger? Or like, do you like, or were you have you always been quite goofy? But there's just this this word mix. keeps coming to the fore, like serious or almost like old soul. <laughs> Has anybody ever said that to you before? Me and old soul, probably or like not. Dilig- no? <laughs> okay, so there's just a diligence that I can see there where it's like, okay, I'm doing this, I'm going to line this up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of those things where we grew up pretty modest, you know, and yeah. and so there was nothing really handed to me. There was nothing really where, you I know, it's like, yeah. it's okay, it's okay. It was really like, okay, if you want this, if you want to eat, yeah. you need to do this. Okay. You know, so and, it's back to your dad's <laughs> practicality and your mom's mindset. I mean, they really, really that that's when those teachings really started to come right. and, and save, you know, save me. Because you, you really if you're going to make a decision to do something, you can't you can't you can't half ass it. No. And you really have to be serious about it. And you really have to go for it. Uh-huh. Um, nobody's going to hold your hand. Nobody's going to say like yeah. this customer has an expectation. Yeah. And you have to meet that. Customer's yeah, you can't go to somebody's 50th birthday party and be like, sorry, I forgot my SD card. <laughs> Yeah. And then, and then that that that's the beginning and end of your career. <laughs> well, you know, we're all allowed a few mistakes. I mean, we are, we? we are. But when they tell, when when this is Matteo talking now, is that yeah. you know, when you make them, okay. they they put the fear in God in you as a creative. 
you know, they say, if you mess up, that's it. You're done. Nobody will hire you. And then that, that might not be true. And it might be from his generation of photography. Yes. That might be the case. Uh-huh. But they, they, Mateo put the fear of God in me. Really, for real. <laughs> like a real work ethic. Like a real work ethic yeah. in terms of make sure your gear is packed. Make sure you've checked your batteries. Make sure you've checked, you know, that, that this is, that you have a plan. And, and so that, you know, really, really helped me kind of say, all right, look, I, I think I've got my tools for now. Uh, I'm going to go and do the shoot. So uh, on his birthday, I go in and I do the shoot and I, I do my establishing shots. I do my detail shots, you know, and I come in and halfway through this, uh, the, the guy who hires me brings in this other guy and he has a camera and he has a cool camera, cooler than mine with lots of gear and stuff that I definitely don't have. And he says, oh yeah, hey Tia, you know, doing a great job. I've got this other photographer as well and uh, he's going to shoot too. And I was just like, uh, mother. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what went through your head at that point? Well, I definitely thought, okay, well, you like, he's this I'm is the his... king of the party. Oh. I did. I was just like, okay, this must be his contingency plan. <laughs> There was insecurities. <laughs> insecurities. But you carried on anyway. I mean, How did you, you get through that little wall at that moment? Well, you know, you just have to keep, you have, you have to do the best that you can. You have to just you humble have to yourself, just, you don't you? You have to humble yourself yeah. and just say, look, you know what, I'm going to do good work. I'm yeah. going to do a good job and yeah. do good work. Yeah. And and that's what I did. I mean, he had he had the, the, the best, he had the industry standard uh, camera at the time. And at the time I had my, my old 7D Canon, <laughs> which is not good for low lighting situations. <laughs> and uh, you, you know, now know. I, I now know. <laughs> um, well, I, I had always known. <laughs> um, I had rented a couple of lenses that were not the most expensive lenses, but definitely in my budget. Um, and um, So a bit of investment so there as little, well. A little bit of investment because it was Super. my first official gig. And so yeah. I wanted to put my best foot forward within budget um <laughs> I, okay there's there, there's a takeaway put your best foot forward within, within budget, budget. <laughs> so so then that you know that was the case but he had the top of the line body camera or camera body top of the line lenses he had the the l series if you're a photographer you know the red ring l series is the best type of lens for the canon okay um and he had the canon flash and i had like this young yo that's from China. And <laughs> so I was really like, oh my God. <laughs> so I just said, look, it's okay. You know, just center yourself, just capture the moments, just capture the smiles, look for smiles, look for fun and you'll be fine. Um, because the client doesn't understand equipment. No. They just understand how good they look in the photo. And uh, I really tried to help myself or, or ground myself that way with that line of thinking and just kept going and kept going. And, and what was the result of that then? I mean, I believe your, your photos came out really well. And they actually, did. They did. Maybe your naivete mm-hmm. perhaps produced better photographs. Well, I'm not going to say anything against the, the other, other guy. No, of course not, because um, they were a pro. But, because, but, and, and, but you get a different atmosphere. You do get a different atmosphere. And as a, as a photographer, you know, who's photographing people, people are going to remember what they look like. And they're going to take away the feeling of, how they see themselves in your photo. That's so true. I always go to myself on photographs. I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but you do, don't you? You also always go, oh, oh, I look all right. That's fine. And then you have a little look around with everyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, after the fact. Yeah. So so I, I deliver my photos and I'm really nervous and the guy comes back at me and he says, oh my God, Tia, your photos are so fantastic. They're amazing. Everyone's laughing and having fun. And I was just like, oh, 
And I was like, oh, well, just so I can study. Yeah. Um, can I see the other photographer's photos? And he said, no, you don't have to study. And there's, there's nothing to study there. <laughs> I, but I looked and I was just like, okay, well, okay, I see he, his aesthetics are a little bit different from my aesthetics. So you were finding out who you were as a practitioner yeah. there, as, as a creative, yeah. as, a, as an artist. And, 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 and he was as well. <clears throat> so basically, the guy was so impressed with how my photos looked. He said, you know, you should do this as a business. And I was just like, ah! <laughs> that's funny hoo hoo I mean I'm you know entertaining the idea of going to photography school I mean that's like jumping school and trying to start a business with little knowledge of business and uh, I, I told him as such and the guy said well no I'll help you and uh, this guy was a five-time entrepreneur uh, he had five startups and uh, he was working he was in the middle of his fifth one mm-hmm and um, he said, well, I understand Japanese business. I understand how to register a business and what to do and the ethics, uh, uh, the etiquette and ethics. Uh, I'll help you. And I said, wow, okay, uh, sure. What a, what a total score. <laughs> yeah. I and this is all these connections and like really leaning into them. Connections yep. really, really help. I mean, because those are, those are the people who kind of help you understand the playing field. They, they kind of help you benchmark yourself. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and we need to recognize when these opportunities come to us as well so we can decide whether or not to take them. And what a, to what a fabulous coincidence that you happen to be there that day. Say yes. You probably didn't know at the time this guy was a five times entrepreneur. No. no. And then he's like, well, I'll help you set up your business. Mm -hmm. And then he introduces you to his clients yeah. as well, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then that's when you, I think that's probably about the time when you started to come onto my radar three or four years ago. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Cause you were photo photographing one of my friends, Helen. Mm -hmm. That's how I, that's how I remember you. And yeah. she was his client. Is yeah. that right? And she was my very first client. She was your very first. She was my very first client. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and she really advocated for you as well. I, uh, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I love Helen. Helen, Helen Iwata, she's so fantastic. Yeah. Um, she was the one who actually came up with the name of the business. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I was like, this doesn't look like a name that you would choose, no. interestingly enough. No. Okay. <laughs> and I loved it because, you yeah. know, initially it was just like, Tia Haygood Photography. <laughs> The thing that all photographers do is your first and your last name plus photography. Yeah. And I was, I was kind of just like, well, you know, okay, maybe I'll jazz it up. I'll call it TK photography. You know, it's my, the initial of my first name and the initial of my middle name. Yeah. And it still just wasn't really working. And so I, I kind of wanted something that was, you know, that Catchy. had a character to it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so when she came, when she, she told me about Top Tia, she was actually talking about the, the, a little bit of a wordplay um, between Japanese and English. Oh. So top Tia, you know, people think of like, you know, like, like top and then like my name Tia. But in Japanese, uh, if you say top, they can't, they don't really say Tia. They say like uh, Tia is, um, Tia is kind of used for the word tier. So you can't say ER. So it's top tier. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just kind of like, oh, that's a really fun word play. Oh, because like it's a, like the like highest level of quality. quality. Yeah. Work. So I was like, you know what, that is a really, really cool kind of play on words yeah. um, that talks to people who speak English and talks to people who speak Japanese. And I was sold. I was like, yes, let's do it. And, uh, and that's what I registered the business on. You just keep saying yes to all these people who are kind of, you were attracting all these people, mm. magnetizing all these people, and then just saying yes. Yeah. 
Wow. Um, I, I, you know what? It, I'm very, very well connected. Yeah, very well yeah. connected. But that's how you, that's how you get connections to, to, to many people. I mean, I didn't say yes to everything. No, of course There, there were some things I said no to. Yeah. Um, but um, like uh, working for free for exposure. <laughs> uh, I got my, the, oh, first, I <laughs> the first month I, I started, uh, I came into business, I got a ton of those. Um, just like, oh yeah, I've got this thing going on. Um, I can't pay you, but uh, I, I've got an Instagram account. Eh, get exposure. And it's just like, well, you know, unless you're like a YouTuber with like a million subscribers, that's not really going to work. Even then, <laughs> even then, they've got a million subscribers, which means they have a budget. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, I read a book called Essentialism, and Essentialism is really great because it teaches you how to say no, and it Greg teaches McCune. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it teaches you how to put things that are essential to you. Uh, in the forefront and just say to no to, say no to everything else. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I really, really appreciated that book. Um, that um, So I'm going to tell you the name of the person who helped me start my business. His name is Robert Miller. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, he was the, not only did he help coach me start a business, but he gave me all these like useful tools in terms of, in terms of books, in terms of templates, in terms of people who uh, are experts in, in, in legal work, in immigration work. Uh, and so he really kind of helped me build this network of tools and build this network of friends and ex experts and so it was Robert Miller uh, who really really helped kick and is off. that when he had Ginza Hub and that was when he had Ginza Hub yeah okay so which was a uh, one of the first shared office spaces in Tokyo I think wasn't it really oh I'm not sure I'm not sure I don't know the history of co-working spaces but I wouldn't no, doubt I that went to see I wouldn't that. doubt it I went to see that place mm -hmm. uh, and it was it was before the explosion of office spaces in Tokyo which has been in the last two to three years perhaps yeah cool so then you were doing this then you got hired by a, a larger company as their yeah. kind of freelance contributor mm -hmm. um, and I suppose that got you a, a steady income coming in mm -hmm. it got you um, some more exposure to people yeah mm -hmm. it got you out and about mm -hmm. photographing quite big events and things like that mm -hmm. and then Recently, mm -hmm. you decided to go all in just on your own. Oh, yeah. Detach yourself from oh, yeah. a large place. Mm -hmm. You were with them for what, two years? Yeah, about a year and a half or so. Year yeah. and a half. Mm -hmm. And what prompted that? So, one of the things that I think I, I really started to, to notice is when, I, when you're a staff photographer, I was doing both staff, so photog staff photographer. So, I was a staff photographer and I was doing my business at the same time. Yeah. And so one of the, the amazing reasons why I joined this company was is that I wanted to kind of understand the Japanese lay of the land in terms of photography. Because I'm in Japan, I want to know what, what is the industry standard for Japanese photographing in Japan. And so I joined this company and I learned so much and the people were really, really fantastic in, learns, in terms of teaching, uh, in terms of Japanese ethics, etiquette. Um, uh, the, the industry standards for, in terms of customer care mm -hmm. because when you're a Japanese business you're all about omotenashi yes. and omotenashi you know God, customer is not the king customer is God, God yeah. <laughs> kakusama wa kamisama desu yes that means the customer is God and so you have to learn and develop a mindset of really putting customer care you know first or at least in a you know right Even, next to photography yeah you know? right next and Sometimes it, uh, the quality is like the zero level, I think, that people expect. Mm -hmm. And then the customer care on top yeah. is what, that's my, that's the way I approach things. It's like quality first, mm -hmm. that's zero. Yeah. Then plus alpha. 
Yeah, I, it's and, and it was it was a it was a lot to learn mm -hmm. um, in terms of of meeting expectations mm -hmm. um, and and going beyond those expectations. Yeah. Uh, so so that that really really was kind of like a boot camp for me, um, but also learning how to you know what 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 would what, what would be a good workflow of photographers like what is a photographer's standard workflow um what is seen as efficient what is seen as inefficient um you know you don't always have to have the best gear you just need the right gear so uh, you, you know. really learned the business of photography with them yeah and then earlier this year Earlier this year, I I no longer or I left. I, I I'm no longer. What prompted that? What prompted that? Well, a couple things prompted that. Um, I gotten some really cool projects um, on my side, on Top Tia's side of 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 you know photography, and I constantly found myself juggling between saying yes or saying no, or you know saying yes to them and no to them, or saying yes to them and no to them, and so I it. It started kind of clashing. Mm -hmm. uh, my schedule was kind of clashing, and and you know my mind was kind of clashing between staff photography work and you know Your my mind photography. Was clashing. It was clashing in a sense of you know who do I please? Do I please myself and my client, or do I please my team and and their clients? And oftentimes myself and my client lost. Yeah. And I got this really really cool project that I really would you know, kick myself if I said no to. So I had to make the decision um, and say, look, you know, I, I love this team. I, I love working with you, but I, I'm going to have to maybe just leave um, uh, the team uh, and, and focus on some of the projects that, that are coming my way. And, and they were really graceful, graceful about it. Um, and graceful about graceful, uh, gracious, gracious, gracious and graceful, gracious and graceful. I don't know. Elocution lessons. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I need to sign up for them. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, and 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 we we parted on really good terms. I still work yeah. with them um, from but time to time. But that was quite stressful. It was. For you, wasn't oh my it? God, it was stressful because I, there was a point where I said, "Let me just make it work. Let me just make it work. I'll just yeah. I'll stay up longer. I'll do this more." And and don't don't do that. I know what's his name. I'm, uh, Gary, the Gary guy who's in New York and has these hard not life lessons. Uh, I think he's like a coach of some kind. Mm -hmm. He's like a Tom, Tim Ferriss kind of yeah. guy. Um, I can never pronounce his name, starts with a V. Um, but you know, he's kind of like that mad, crazy hustle, you know, kind of person, like sleep four hours a day and, and you know, do oh, all Oh, I this. know who you mean. You know yeah, what I mean? He's been discredited in some areas. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> and also excellent too. <laughs> Cut that. Is it? <laughs> But it's just one of those, you know, the, yeah. the, the kind of the coaches that, that they say, look, you need to hustle and you need to, you know, live, poop and eat and drink and die by your craft. And, and I was kind of in that, you know, trying to go along those lines where it's just like, okay, I'm going to eat and, and, and sleep photography. And it, it really wasn't conducive to my, you know, mental my health, health. My, my mental <laughs> physical health, health, physical health, yeah. um, my, 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 my relationships. Yeah. And, and I was really, really starting to suffer. Um, I was missing birthdays. I was missing um, just, just times of fun. And it started to become not fun. And one of the things that uh, a friend of mine, the days before I started Top Tia and started my career in photography, uh, a really good friend said to me, have fun with it. And if you're not yeah. having fun, uh, 
reassess. Yeah, it started to be not fun. <laughs> it that's, started that's to be that not kind fun. Of niggling feeling where you're like, where's the apex of like work and fun? Hmm? Yeah, and 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 just those those two clashes that the clashing started to be not fun. Yeah, and so I needed to really make a decision, um, a scary decision of do I want to go and do my own thing or do I want to stay and forego my own thing? And uh, foregoing my own thing was not an option. Uh, I, I started with my own thing. Uh, it's kind of like my baby. It's this thing that, you know, that is as, as slowly grown into something wonderful and useful and, and fantastic. I mean, I've met so many fun and amazing people uh, in this job in photography and I've documented you know, precious moments, amazing yeah. moments uh, that I don't want to, I don't want to stop that, you no. know, and, and, and so, and then they were, like I said, they were, they were fine with it and they were gracious about it. Um, and we still communicate. They still give me work, um, you know, from time to time. Yeah. And, 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 and it was a, it was a good decision. Graceful exits are great, aren't they? They really are. Yeah. I, I, I remember when I left my previous job, which is almost, let's see, eight, seven years ago this mm. this this time it was autumn seven years ago and I, I just had these two words the whole time which was elegant change elegant change elegant change that's all I was interested in was having some elegant change mm. not being like <laughs> <laughs> so that's gorgeous Tia mm. um it was a real like and that that brings us to now actually because when I you wrote kind of like an essay a short letter online right mm -hmm. about this yeah and that's what I read and that's what prompted me to be really curious about more about you because of course you photographed me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. And um, <laughs> I was a winner, baby. And um, I won a, a photo shoot with you. You know, what I was really struck when we when we did our shoot together at how professional you were and how um, I, I you know what I'm like, I like to kind of get talking to people and get right in there, but I really <laughs> enjoyed that you just kept this really professional kind of veil between us and I was like oh I like this I like there's a really good boundary here and I like that because otherwise I'll get I want your whole backstory which is basically what we're doing today instead <laughs> you're um, the whole so <laughs> and you know just polite professional kind uh, fun just very like get the job done on time and you know with schedules and I've really really enjoyed that about you professionally um, but then also, I was just interested to know more about you. And, you know, you, we, we've obviously met at millions of occasions and <laughs> different events and stuff like that. Um, but when you wrote that, put that letter online and it was very, um, it was very honest and it was very open, but it was mm. undramatic. And I think that perfectly describes you in some ways as well. And it was very humble. That was like, I want, I want to interview this woman. I want to interview this woman. So that kind of brings me to start to close this out now. And sure. I just want to know, what, how would you say then, listening to yourself talking now, what do you think is your kind of philosophy on life or the special top tier secret sauce that makes you <laughs> who you are? Oh, wow. I mean, it's, it's just one of those things where growing up, I always wanted to know what I had to offer. Mm. And I always felt like I didn't have anything useful to offer mm. and I guess even my motivation for being an attorney is is you know we kind of glorize the, the role of an attorney um, and in my family there are lots of attorneys <laughs> and mm -hmm. there are lots of doctors 
And um, I, I, I knew I was really bad at science, and I didn't want to be a doctor, but I was really good at talking. Yeah. And I was really good at showing empathy and emotion. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, I'll be a lawyer. Um, <laughs> and I, I, that, that whole time, I decided I wanted to be a lawyer when I was 14. And I said, okay, this is, this is the thing I have to offer. This is the thing that I'm going to work towards to be able to, to give to society and offer to society. And, uh, you know, over time, I, it kind of, that kind of fizzled out. But then when photography kind of came around, and it was something that I enjoyed um, and something that I, you know, wanted to, to do more of, um, I would always fantasize, you know, of me when, when I was, you know, trying to be an attorney, like, after I retire from being an attorney, I'll be a photographer, I'll be a food photographer. Okay. That was this, this kind of fantasy, like, okay, after, after that career, after that career, and it was always in the back of my mind, and it was just kind of like when Robert Miller came around and said, no, I have a business, and it was just like, oh, why not do it right now? Yeah, and you as know. a coach, those kinds of things where people are like, after I've done this, I'm going to do this. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> Let's go there. Let's, Let's do it now. Over the edge. <laughs> yeah. And so it, then I, you know, the, the more the people encouraged me and, 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 and the more I started kind of seeing how people valued what I had yeah. to offer, it was just like, no, I have something I can offer. I have something that I can contribute. You know, this is a thing that I can give to my community and, and people enjoy, people find it useful, people find it, uh, people cherish it. And, you know, if I, I need something from me yeah. given to someone else and they cherish and value it, that, that means a lot to me. Yeah. That means so much to me. And I think, you know, hearing myself speak uh, over, you know, our conversation, I think that that's that that's something that I, I really really value. Yeah. Um. I, I really like being a part of a community. Yeah. I really like being not just a part of the group, but giving to the group, mm. and 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 making that useful for the group and making the group better, because I've given this thing this this service mm -hmm. to the people in the group. Mm. So um. I, I I guess that means I like being a giver. <laughs> Oh, it seems a bit a more than that. A contributor, a contributor, a contributor. A sharer. Yeah. I think it, you perfectly put it down there about like, what do I have to offer? Mm -hmm. What can I offer? Mm -hmm. That sounds more. I like that sound better than a giver. <laughs> In Liverpool, mm -hmm. a giver means something else. Uh oh, uh oh. I've got to get. I've got to get used to this. This because I I, I made that mistake like, with Helen. <laughs> I make that mistake with Helen and Robert a lot. I'll say something and they're like, oh, goodness, what What did you just say? Good Lord. Oh. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is I'm a giver. Mm, I, don't I don't think so. Thank you. I don't think that's not wrong profession to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and there's no wrong with that profession either, but it's just not your profession. It's just not my profession. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 the, my, mom, my, my mom and my dad always said, you know, leave the world better than you found it. Mm. And, um, and, and, you know, I'm probably not going to be somebody on, a, on an Oprah-level scale or a Martin Luther King-level scale where they have left the world a lot better. Well, Oprah's not gone yet. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, who, you know, they, they've invested and given to the world, and it's so much better because they've been through it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I'm not going to probably be on that level, but at least in my, my community and in my network, I want to leave my community and leave my network better than how I found it. Gorgeous. Or at least looking better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll definitely have better profile photos, that's for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. what's next for Top Tier? What is the future? Wow. Well, for me, it's just uh, getting over the, the Olympics hump. <laughs> um, so well, you're obviously going to be engaged a lot in the Olympics. I, I think so. Uh, it's one of the things where there are a lot of people who are very invested uh, commercially. 
in the Olympics. They want to kind of make their presence um, into Japan. They want to enter Japan, whether it be through their product or through their services, um, and just being kind of someone who can help them build a visual brand um, in Japan, in and around the Olympic kind of hub, in the Olympic bubble. Um, so I, I think that, that doing more, more personal branding uh, kind of work, doing more work where I'm helping people commercially, mm -hmm. um, whether that be showcasing their products, showcasing them in action, uh, I definitely want to do more of those. Mm -hmm. that's not to say that I'm not going to do, uh, you know, more of what I've been doing, which is, you know, product photography. Yeah, and but the Olympics is going to be one of those pivot points, isn't it, where you're going to be like, oh wow, and then after that, it's really going to set you up in a different kind of way. Yeah, incredible. Oh, yeah. yeah, and you'll keep giving back. And do you see yourself in Japan for the foreseeable future? I see myself in Japan for a very, very long time. Me too, girl. <laughs> We're family now. Oh, yes. They're here to stay. We're here to stay. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the we're here to stay dance? That's the we're here to stay. We're, we're just kind of dancing on the Yamanote line. Yeah. <laughs> Tia, thank you so thank much. You. Really thank appreciate you. Really appreciate Thank you Hold so, on, so much. So there we heard from Tia about the importance of family, about the influence of parents and how her parents, her mother, who has set up all these charities and and places to help veterans and, and, and mothers and daughters to come together as well as sharing the joy of dance and her father, the, the DJ who gave her this like mindset and the, and, the, and the practicalities together and also invited her to think about leaving the world a better place than you came into it. What a fabulous start in life. And then just following these interests that you have. So her interest in Japan sparked just by two things, some manga, some cartoons and the memoirs of a geisha that then prompted her age 17 to come here. What an incredibly brave and, you know, just just inspired and intuitive thing to do. And now that she's here, those connections, saying yes to opportunities as they arise growing your network but not only growing your network being part of a community and then ensuring that you have something to offer them and offering it and leaving their that community better than when you arrived so many so many fabulous takeaways in this in this session i'm sure you'll agree i'm sarah Faruya from sarah Faruya coaching and i believe there are many many ways to lead a life i believe everybody has stories and i want to hear yours and tell theirs and create a work style and a lifestyle that you can be proud of. Thank you and see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to this latest legend on the Sarah Furuya Legends podcast. Hop over to sarahfuruya.com where you can find the full complement of uh, Legends interviews and conversations. Also, you can like and subscribe over on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. I absolutely love these interviews and these conversations I have with these people. I don't care about subscribers, if I'm absolutely honest. It just helps to get more people over to listen to these fantastic people. I cannot wait for my next interview. I really hope you can get stuck in and find some juice and some delightful little nugget of knowledge or encouragement from these that will help you to create your story and to take your story forward and to weave and dream up and high dream your own story. Buoyed up by the stories of these people, I would call them ordinary, they're not. But these people, these beautiful legends who I've selected, 
to help you on your way and to help me on my way. So please enjoy, share, subscribe. My Facebook page is Sarah Faruya Coaching. My Instagram page is at Sarah Faruya Coaching too. So get into it. Thanks. Bye.